0: Alright, will you uh, please open your Bibles with me to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. We're going to read all ten verses. You've been following along. It's not a long book. Uh, Jonah is now in the belly of the great fish. And what transpires there represents the turning point of this book. So let's get right to it, beginning with verse 1 of Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the living Word of God. God, we ask You to take Your Word, alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, and cut deep into our hearts this morning. So that if there be one in here who has a Jonah inside of him or her, and I think that's probably all of us, there's a Jonah in each one of us. I pray that you would use this word to draw us to a place of deeper faith and obedience to what you have called and what you have commanded us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Charles Spurgeon once said of this chapter, Jonah chapter 2, he said, surely this is the only prayer that ever went up to God out of a fish's belly. I think he's absolutely right. But you know, we've all been there before with Jonah. Not in a fish's belly, but in a place of complete, deep distress and despair. That's where he was at. A place of, of spiritual darkness, feeling alienated from God, or, or perhaps even feeling abandoned by God. Some have called it the dark night of the soul. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? We've all been there. If you haven't been there, if you're a young person here today, you or if everything's gone pretty good in your life, if you, if you haven't been there, just live long enough and you will find yourself one day Amen. in the depths. Sometimes we bring the darkness up upon ourselves, just like Jonah did in his disobedience. Other times, the Lord in His good wisdom sends it so that we might be stripped of our earthly comforts and find our solace in Christ alone. But whatever reason they come, God uses the dark seasons of our lives to deepen our trust in Him and our obedience to His will. And that's what this experience in the belly of the fish did for Jonah. So there is much that we can learn here in these verses from this Old Testament prophet about how God uses these experiences in the depths to draw us closer to Him in faith and obedience. The first thing that we, we learn here is that distress drives us to prayer. Distress drives us to prayer. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Sheol is the Old Testament. The word means grave or the realm of the dead. He says, and you heard my voice. Now, isn't it just a little ironic that Jonah had no interest in praying When God originally called him to go to Nineveh, he just said, no, I'm not going there, I'm out. He didn't pray to submit his will to God. He just said, I can't do it, I'm, I'm I'm going to go to Tarshish instead. Neither did he bother to pray when the storm came on the boat, because chapter 1 verse 5 says that he was asleep in the boat when all the other sailors were crying out to their gods. But now, here in the belly of hell, the King James Version says, Jonah finally prays. It's the first time in the book we've seen him pray. The prophet of God. The man of God. And you know, we are often so much like Jonah, aren't we? I mean, it takes the most terrifying circumstances to move us to desperate prayer where nothing else matters to us but taking hold of the ear of God. Oh, how often do we rush through prayer to get on with the busyness of our lives? But when the bottom falls out, and if God doesn't move, man, we're going down in those moments of prayer, time just seems to stand still. And all that other stuff, it doesn't matter so much anymore, does it? Has anybody ever been there? Well, that's Jonah right here. And it's in this kind of distressed, despairing prayer that he acknowledges, finally acknowledges, that the chastening hand of God Is on him for his disobedience. Look at verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. You know, it was the sailors who threw him in there, wasn't it? Jonah says, No, God, you did it. And the flood surrounded me. The flood is what? What is the flood in the Bible? Judgment, destruction, the flood surrounded me, all your waves and your billows passed over me. In verse 4 he says, I am driven away from your sight. I am driven away. You know, it's interesting that Jonah felt driven away from God, isn't it? I mean, do you see the irony here? Because in reality it was Jonah who ran from God. He actually drove himself away. Three times in chapter 1 we read that Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Three times. But now he's feeling the sting of God just sort of pulling back, right? Withdrawing the nearness of his presence. And though friends though it's not explicitly like spelled out in words, in his prayer. The implication here is that Jonah is finally coming to terms with the fact that he did this to himself. You see, friends, we cannot expect to go on living disobediently and still experience the blessing of God's presence in our lives. There are consequences to disobedience in the believer's life. That's why after his adulterous sin with Bathsheba, King David prayed in Psalm 51 verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Pleading with God. This prayer in the belly of the fish is really Jonah's Psalm 51 moment. He's recognizing the discipline of the Lord for his sin. But even while he's under the hot hand of the Lord, there's a glimmer of hope at the end of verse 4. Look at it. The end of verse 4. He says, Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. In the darkest most despairing experience of his life, Jonah's thoughts go to the temple. And once again, experiencing the presence of the Lord with God's people. But let me ask you, friends, let me ask you, where do you find peace when you're in the depths of despair? Is it in some worldly comfort? You know, some people find it in alcohol. Some people find it in drugs. Some people, it's sex. Some people find comfort in binging Netflix and television. Or eating food or spending a bunch of money. But Jonah found his comfort in thinking about the house of God. He knows that the Lord will not leave him in this pit of despair, so he says in verse five, "The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped about my head. Do you think he was actually i mean this is a historical account Amen. This is not some fable somewhere, some story made up, some allegory no." He was there. Weeds were around his head at the roots of the mountains. In other words, at the bottom, as far as deep as you could go. He said, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, the second time that little three-letter word yet shows up here, yet you brought brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. I want you to notice a tiny, tiny, tiny little detail here. This is the second time in chapter 2 that Jonah uses the possessive pronoun. I don't mean to take you to English class, but it's the second time that Jonah uses the possessive pronoun to describe his relationship to God. That is noteworthy. Verse 1 says, Jonah prayed to the Lord... His God. And now in verse 6, he says, You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. See that? You see, Jonah knows that this isn't his end because he knows who he belongs to. I wish somebody would feel that the way I do. Spurgeon, I think, feels it. He says this, he says, Jonah was a runaway. He had tried to escape from the presence of God, yet the Lord was still his God. God will not lose any of His people, Spurgeon says, even if, like Jonah, they are in the belly of a fish. Jehovah is still their God. Friends, let me tell you something. God is still, if you know Him, in the deepest Darkest seasons of your life, if you truly belong to the Lord through faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will not lose you. He will not let you go. Even if, like Jonah, you're running from Him, He'll come after you. He'll put you in the belly of hell if He has to, but He will raise you up. You say, Well, Pastor Brian, where'd you get this from? I'm glad you asked. I got it from Jesus himself. In John 6, verse 37, Jesus says this. Oh, the, mark this verse down, circle it, pray this for the rest of your life, meditate on it. This is, this is, this is gold right here. This is a, a shelter in the time of storm right here. John 6, 37. Jesus, all that the Father gives me will come. To me, Not might, not maybe, not if I can coerce them, no. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will what? Never cast out. King James, I think, says, in no wise cast out. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Verse 39, and this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose how much how, how much nothing. nothing of what all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day friends that right there is your that is your safety net when the storms come and when you're in the belly of hell Jesus says, the will of Him who sent me. This is it. That I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Friend, that ought to be an anchor for your soul right there. Out of the depths of distress, Jonah cried to the Lord in prayer and found His God to be faithful even in his own unfaithfulness. Oh despairing saint. I feel like there may be, I don't know, usually in every every Sunday morning, every time we gather, there's there's a there's a lot of hearts in here. Some of y'all are doing fine, doing okay, but I know that some of you may be struggling. If you are a despairing saint, friends, this should encourage you this morning. But But if you aren't in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, then Jonah's God is not your God. Friend, trust in Christ today. (laughs) So now with the prophets back against the wall, Jonah's back against the wall, he's got nowhere else to go. Secondly, we see in this passage that submission delivers us to restoration. So first, distress drives us to prayer, and now submission delivers us to restoration. Look at verse 7. Jonah says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple, you see friends, sometimes sometimes our good Father has to bring us to the end of ourselves before we look to him out of the depths and say okay lord i 'll do it your way Jonah 's will is is now broken. the furnace of divine discipline has brought this Prodigal's heart into submission. I mean, this is the common experience of all who truly belong to the Lord. In Psalm 119, verse 67, the psalmist says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. See? That's where Jonah is at right now. He knows that the God of Israel, His God, is His only hope. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I know that might read a little different in different translations. That's actually a very difficult Hebrew to translate. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. In other words, this is what it means... Those who put their trust, their hope in something or someone other than the one true and living God when the world falls around them, they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They may pray, but they pray to a God of their own imagination. I mean, remember back in chapter 1, verse, verse 5, when all the pagan sailors. Each cried out to his own God in the storm. Friends, their prayers were useless. You might as well just bow down and pray to that plant. And there's an important lesson for us right here because just because someone prays or starts using religious Christian language when life goes south, it does not mean that they are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, every time there's a national tragedy or even a personal tragedy, every time there's an accident or something terrible happens to somebody and they go on to Petersburg Buzz and, you know, whatever, ask for prayer, I'm not diminishing that at all. You remember what happened in, in September of 2011 or 2001? 9 11. Thoughts and prayers go up. Every time there's a shooting or every time there's. A child missing, thoughts and prayers go up. But do we, listen, and track with me carefully here. Don't don't prejudge what I'm going to say, okay? Do we really think that the Lord actually hears and honors all of those prayers? Proverbs 15.8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to Him. Proverbs 15.29 the Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous, not, not righteous as in being good people, but but being righteous, it means to be counted righteous through through faith, right? like Abraham was, like we are. psalm sixty six verse eighteen says. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I didn't make that up. Does God hear and answer all? No. (laughs) If you have sin in your heart, something you won't let go of, maybe that's why your prayers are not answered. The Lord does not hear you says it. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And friend, this is how we know that Jonah was truly penitent in the belly of the fish. Because the Lord did hear his prayer. And now with his fellowship with God restored, he says in verse number 9, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, that's why you Listen, that's why your prayers need to start with gratitude. The voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Now that's an interesting phrase there, isn't it? Because the TV preachers will talk about paying vows and all that. Making vows to God and all that. This isn't some monetary thing. This isn't some... This isn't Jonah talking about uh, making good on some deal he made with God if he would just save his life. Lord, if you just save me, I'll do this. That's not what this is. It's talking about Jonah submitting to his calling as a prophet to go where God tells him to go and say what God tells him to say. What I have vowed, what I have committed to, I will do. I will complete. Jonah knows what he has to do. He has to go to Nineveh. Amen. He knows he's got to go to that town, He that city, that great city he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to go to. And the climax of this heart-changing, literally uh, near-death experience for him is at the end of verse 9. Look at it. The last five words of verse 9. He says,
1: Salvation
0: belongs to the Lord. You See what he's doing there? You understand what he's saying there? This wayward prophet, he's, he's got it. He's, he's, he's done running. He accepts that God can save whoever He wants to, whenever He wants to, however He wants to. If he wants to extend mercy to the pagan Assyrians at Nineveh, that's his divine prerogative. And Jonah's opinion is of no concern to the Lord. He's not asking anyone who he can save. Romans 9.15 says this, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That's God. So Jonah's, call, Jonah's calling to Nineveh is really a picture of God's sovereign grace. And these five words, salvation belongs to the Lord. Friends, they are the central theme of the book of Jonah and they are the preeminent point of the entire Bible. All of redemptive history screams this out. Salvation belongs to the Lord. In fact, it's going to be the song of the saints throughout all of eternity. Revelation 7-9. Blake read it this morning. Revelation 7-9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne... And before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10. And crying out with a loud voice. What do you think they were singing? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, get this. This is where we need to connect the dots. (laughs) There will be Ninevites. Those... Assyrians that Jonah didn't want to go preach to, they will be there among this numberless number of the redeemed because salvation belongs to the Lord. Not to Jonah. Not to me. Not to you, Billy Graham, or anyone else. God can save anybody. Finally, verse 10. the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I, I imagine whew, that was a sight. Listen, it's pretty bad when, the, when the, the, the prophet of God gives the fish an upset stomach. But once again... God shows His total sovereignty over nature. Right? That's what you see here. As He raises Jonah from His dark, watery grave and sets him back on His way. I think, you know, most commentators, they believe reading the text. I mean, we don't really know. But He probably... He probably threw Jonah up somewhere back near Joppa, where he took off from. You remember that map I showed you a few weeks back? Where Jonah was in like the Galilee area. Nineveh was 500 miles northeast, and Jonah wants to get go down to Joppa, get a boat, and go like almost 3,000 miles across the Mediterranean Sea to southern Spain, to Tarshish. But guess what, friends? He never even got really... That far from land. God adjusted His course mighty quick. He's back on dry land. His feet are back where they're supposed to be going after three days. And here once again, Jonah points us to the Lord Jesus. The greater Jonah. The true and obedient Jonah. who did the will of His Father perfectly. He didn't resist. He went and preached to the lost, to seek and save the lost. He he laid in His grave for three days and three nights until His Father raised Him up. And because of Christ's resurrection, friends, we too will be raised, not just from the depths of our darkness in this life, but from the darkness of death in the life to come. But, only if our hearts are turned toward Christ in repentance and faith, that's the only way we're going to get that resurrection. Friends, do you know Jesus this morning? Have you looked at His perfect, sinless life His sacrificial death in the place of sinners on Calvary. His victorious resurrection for our salvation. Have you traded your filthy righteousness for His pristine, pure, spotless righteousness? Do you accept that you are a sinner by birth and by choice? Fully deserving of the eternal wrath of an infinitely holy God. That's why hell is forever, friends. Because God's holiness is infinite. His holiness is forever. There's no way we could ever expend our wrath. Because there's no way to ever expend His holiness. Only Christ could satisfy it. So have you acknowledged your great need for a Savior? And have you run to Calvary's cross where His blood still flows freely for all who will believe? Friend, if you are not sure that you know Christ as your Lord, look upon Him and believe upon Him today. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, a real, authentic Christian, you you fall, you get back up, you you struggle, but your your faith is in Christ. Here's the good news for us. The Lord didn't abandon His disobedient prophet in the darkness of the sea. And He will not abandon you in the darkness of your life. Even, listen, here's, here's, the, great, here's, the, here's the great little, here's the footnote that makes all the difference. Even if you are there by your own doing, and you are under His chastening hand like Jonah, He will still pull you out of the darkness. Because that's the God that He is. But we need repentant hearts, don't we? Like Jonah. We need to come to the end of ourselves and cry out to God in total submission and surrender. Christian, is there something in your life that you need to surrender this morning? Will you surrender it this morning? Will you submit Let's bow and seek the Lord together.